0: Welcome once again to the More Than a Game podcast. If this is your first time joining us today, welcome. And if you're returning, thanks for supporting this podcast. Thanks for being a part of it. Uh, we hope you get a lot out of it. This is a podcast all about basketball, yes, but we are also trying to and aiming to dig a little bit deeper into all aspects of life and uh, talk to our guests about life in general, what they've learned from the game, how they've applied what they've learned to their lives. We talked about leadership, we talked about culture, and today on the show, we're going to talk about a a great deal of things, Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about people management and culture, and in particular championship winning culture. Uh, For our guest today, he was, was a part of the successful Sydney Kings side throughout the 2000s, where they won three championships in a row. He's coached at the highest level, he's coached in the WNBL, he's coached all around the world. And our guest today is Bill Tomlinson. Uh, Bill Tomlinson, thanks for joining us on the More Than A Game podcast. Happy to be with you all. Happy to be here. Good to see you, mate. It's it's been a while. But uh, as I said in the opening there, you've uh, coached a number of seasons in the NBL, uh, over 100 games, coached in the WNBL, coached at international level. Uh, But as we start today, I was just keen to... To hear how it all started for you personally. How did you get into the sport of basketball?
1: I started playing at school in in Melbourne. And then uh, my next-door neighbour, I I played Aussie Rules until I was 15. And then uh, my next-door neighbour played basketball and said, you know, we need some tall players. Come down and try. So I did. So I started playing basketball at 15, pretty late. And being six-foot-one then... I was, I was tall, but I never grew anymore. I, you know, I topped out at six foot two. So yeah, I was yeah. always a, a very, very, very undersized post player. Yeah. And then uh, and, and I didn't do too bad. And then I got to, got to play with uh, the St Kilda Basketball Club, which was, which was one of the, of the uh, original teams in the NBL, but never, never made their first team, was always in their seconds. And yeah. enjoyed, I loved the game really loved it, and I sat at the end of the bench for most of my career, and I wanted to get to the other end and understood the game, so took up coaching.
0: Yeah, so what sort of gave you that drive for coaching? Was there a significant moment that you thought, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to uh, spend my life doing, coaching basketball? Well, I was, uh, when I left school, I was a plumber. So okay. I, started
1: off, I started off as a plumber. Yeah. Uh, but my father, my father was in business with uh, Brian Curl. Uh, Brian yeah. Curl, you know, the, uh, one of the original uh, coaches, St. Kilda coach, four-time mm-hmm. national NBL champion coach, blah, blah, blah. So I always had that strong interest, interest there. And then I saw him get into coaching, and I, I just followed that. I, I would go and watch their coaching. Uh, being at Albert Park, which was, uh, which was in uh, like the hub of basketball in Melbourne, every time the Olympic team with Lindsay Gaze would coach, I would go and watch those practices. Started yeah. off, started, as I said, I started off, uh, wasn't getting enough court time, but yeah. loved the game and wanted to influence. So why not become a coach? And, and then I was yeah. involved in every, every second of the game, I was involved in it.
0: Awesome and You've had a long coaching career, still coaching now, which we'll get to. Uh, but as I said, you coached Sydney Kings, assistant coach for a number of years there. Spent some time in the WNBL with the Sydney Flames. But your first gig in the NBL, I believe, from memory, was with the Hobart Tazy Devils. First and foremost, the NBL have announced that the uh, NBL will be going back into Tasmania. As the last coach, the coach there. Um, do you think it's uh, going to work? And, and how good, first of all, is, that, is it to have a team back down there in Tasmania?
1: It, it, it's great that there's a possibility that there will be a team back in Tasmania. There, there are a core, a core group of people down there who absolutely love basketball. And, and in saying that, when the Devils went away, you know, the Chargers were born. And the Chargers have been uh, in the Siebel League one of the powerhouses of that over many years. So there's, mm. a, there's a, a group of people down there that are driven. You know, a lot of great players mm. coming out, out, of, out of Tasmania, as, as we can see. Mm. But uh, it's the sustainability of it. You know, the, the, the Devils had a great support, but there's no major, you know, as, as, as now. You know, a lot of the league is sustained by sponsorship. But there was a period of time where a lot of the corporates were represented in Hobart and in Tasmania. But then, as as times change, internet, everything else, Tasmania become a suburb of Melbourne. So all the corporates, you know, you run Tasmania, you're out of Melbourne, or you run Tas. So a lot of those dollars went, and and that became that became an issue. Uh, That became a big issue down there. So sustainability will be their key. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope, yeah, as is the, as as is still for the league. You know, the league is now is still professionally owned, mm-hmm. uh, privately owned. Sorry, and relies mm-hmm. on a lot of uh, a lot of support from the owner of that. And, and I hope they can come up with a model that's sustainable. What? Why we're waiting for that time for a big TV deal to drop in our laps? Because, you know, as as being Australians, we know we love our football, we love our cricket, and we love our netball. And they, they definitely get the biggest cut of the pie, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tough to sort of crack that market that's uh, so far so good. Do you think it's going to work? Do you have hope that it's going to be a long-term thing? Yeah,
1: I do. I do. I, I really do. I think, you know, once you have something and you lost it, it goes, then... I think there'll be smarter heads around it this time and, you know, are they going to come out and chase an NBL championship? Probably not. They just want to be in it and be competitive and then lay those foundations that one day, you know, they'll move up, you know, can move up the ladder. But I think, I think now there's a lot of, a lot, well, I know now, I, I don't think, there's a lot of great work being done in junior development in Tasmania. And as we see, there are a lot of kids now, you know, Tasmania used to be the whipping boy of the state championships well that's not the case anymore you know they're up there they're competitive and there's there's good work so if they can give the homegrown kids a place to play then uh and then they can build from there
0: yeah that's great i think it's very key to have that grassroots system in place which sounds like it is which is great i have to say uh, i've already I've already asked you this before, but uh, for the benefit of the podcast, there's no chance you might throw your hat in the ring to return down there and coach once they're up and running.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm uh, 60 now and um, and I I get looked after. I mean, I'm in China for a reason and I've been here for 10 years now. And and I did a lot of that coaching, you know, uh, the Sydney Kings and the Hobart Devils, you know, an owner goes over or, or that unpredictability mm. and you miss three or four months pay here. And, yeah. and I, I've done, I've done that. And, and now I'm, I get looked after extremely well here in, uh, in the job that I am, but I, but I, my heart is still, still there. I, I will come back to you know, Australia sooner than later, yeah. but, yeah. and I'll coach somewhere, but no. I, I don't, I don't sort of see it being in the NBL. Um, it's it's a young it's a younger guy's deal now and, uh, and and it needs to be it needs to promote younger coaches. I had my time I won my championships I won a championship in the Siebel with Bole, moved down to Hobart you know did my best down there, gave my blood sweat and tears went to sydney wm bell championship there and then had a wonderful experience with gorge winning three championships with the king so and you know, I don't want to sound greedy, but you know, I'm getting I'm getting looked after pretty well, and that's what you do if yeah. you're a professional. Yeah.
0: That's what you do.
1: You, you 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 try to you know get those rewards and help your family.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, fair enough, mate. I'll um we'll come to the Kings um three in just sure. a moment, but just on um. So from Tassie, after that all finished up, um, and you mentioned you know, the unpredictability of ownership and that, which we'll come to as well. You had a stint with the Sydney Flames, is that right? Uh, directly after uh,
1: the Yeah, I had a year. That was just yeah, a wonderful year. You know, uh, yeah, devastation of Hobart going down. You know, right. A lot, a lot of work from not just myself, but by the you know, Hobart, the community of Hobart. Yeah, we were, we were, we played one year. Virtually, I think the budget of the team was $150,000. Was like kids were. Anthony Stewart was working detailing cars at the local Mitsubishi uh, car dealership, and then come to practice in at night. You know, so you know all the boys were working. it was nothing like it is now. Mm. And then that that fell over. And then uh, I got a phone call from Lorraine Landon, who, who we all know is a basketball icon in, in New South mm-hmm. Wales and Australia, said, hey, Bill, how would you like to uh, – would you consider coaching in the WMBL? Yeah, sure. I can do anything right now, seeing I don't have a job. Yeah,
0: exactly. So uh, yeah.
1: they, they – um, Carrie Grafford. Uh, I'm not sure if Carrie had moved. She was coaching the Flames at that, that point. I'm not sure okay. if she would moved over to the U.S. to do the um, – WNBA, but opened up a slot for me, and I come in there, and you know that was one of the one of the easiest jobs as far as everybody on page, wonderful players there, you know Rhonda Bates, um, Robin Ma, you know, just Annie Lafleur, Le just legends of the game, already there and already locked in and knew how to win, and you know I probably got in their way a little. I probably got in their way a little <laughs> <to my> times. <laughs> But yeah, um, sure we, we had a, yeah we we had a, a great year went undefeated undefeated in the regular season and then uh, had a venue change where we had to go we never played in the Whitlam Centre we had to go and play a game out at the Whitlam Centre which was wow. Bedlam on a Friday night peak hour traffic it just wasn't a good situation and we we lost to Adelaide mm. and then then went on down to Adelaide to play the final and. Um, God bless Alicia Poto. She come off the bench and she had like fourteen points in five minutes, and and we yeah. got to win that championship. So it was good. Yeah. That was yeah. a really good time. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that great. time in Sydney.
0: Great player Alicia Poto was, and I'm not sure if she's still playing. She was playing up until recently up in the Royal League in New South Wales. But um, great player. Just on the uh, for young coaches that may be looking or watching or listening to the podcast. I spoke with Rob Beveridge. Um, for the first episode, and he was encouraging young coaches the, in terms of um, learning about or learning how to uh, deal with people and people management, having the crack of coaching both men and women um, if you're coming up through the ranks. How important do you think that experience was for you, um, having that experience of coaching you know, going from the NBL to the WNBL or did you have that experience growing up where you uh, coach both men and women and, and the importance that is for young coaches coming through?
1: Uh, coaching the girls it's uh it was it was easier easier in that the girls are more cooperative and they and they um the bond you know i don't know i can't really say because that group was there before you know, i didn't really recruit mm. them group. that group was already there so and they'd they'd figured all that out but to me that was uh, they were very coachable and mm. the egos were not in the way a- as far much as as far as with the men, you know, the men are more, um, you know, a lot more testosterone flying around, I guess. And it Mm. becomes a little more, a little bit, they were fun to coach and I agree with what Bevo said, you know, Mm. you should coach. If you have an opportunity to coach elite elite athletes at any level, you know, it's a great learning experience, whether they're women or whether they're men. And uh, and I, I would thoroughly you know agree with what he said. Yeah.
0: In terms of um, just the question off the top of my head, people management. I heard in coaching it's so important to have that down pat. Like you look at the big coaches that have done so well. You have Wayne Bennett in the NRL, Sir Alec Ferguson in the soccer. The word is that they're great man management uh, managers, and they can get the best out of their players because they have that rapport and that relationship. How important is that um, from a basketball point of view or uh, in general, um, you know, discovering that art of uh, people management?
1: You know, I mean, when you get to that level, you know, Sir Alec Ferguson, I remember I read his book and it was like when he first come to Manchester, you know, the story was Manchester were always in the pub by the afternoon having a few (laughs) pints and playing pool. And then when he got there, he was like, I pay you I pay you, so I will tell you what to eat, and I will tell you what to drink, or you can get on your bike and go somewhere else along those lines but i mean the the great people management managers in in my career that I learned from was you know mm-hmm. Brett not, nothing really you know nothing really phased Brett and mm-hmm. the same thing with being around around brett 's father that you know they were the mm-hmm. same and then and then then Gorge just come in with a, a tremendous work ethic. That um, everyone was into. You know, he come to work every day. He put in the yards. He, you know, he he never played golf. You know, when when we were with, you know, I don't know how to play golf. Gorge doesn't know how to play golf. We never we never golf. It was always we were there from dusk to dawn, and, mm-hmm. it, and that that work ethic then runs off on your players. But you also, you, you know, you're also the, the most funniest things you ever hear, it would come out of Gorge's mouth. Or he mm. would, you know, he would do something and you would think, you know, my God, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> so, that, so that human side, that human side, I think, is very important. And mm. uh, Brett, you know, Brett, um, I remember once when we'd just gone to the, the new, uh, what do they call it then, the, um, the, the, the Olympic facility out there at um, Homebush now, we just moved mm. out there. Rick gets the yeah. idea. He wants to have a Thanksgiving dinny, a dinner. So he, he and I said, "Well, we're we going to go to a restaurant." He says, "No, we're going to cook it." <laughs> it's like so he buys <laughs> he buys eleven frozen turkeys and brings them that oh, yeah. morning, and we're going to have lunch that day. I said, oh, yeah. "They're frozen, man." Yeah. And, and that, so we got we got twelve turkeys sitting under the showers oh, in, yeah. the, in the in the in the facility trying to and then we set the smoke alarms off so then the fire brigade comes far out and and then and then the cooks the cooks the cooks from the venue who were there at that time they come and say what are you doing just give them to us we cook them frozen (laughs) but people people see that people see that that oh they really care about us they tried to cook us thanksgiving dinner you know It's that human thing, I think, of how you um, how you get that respect. You know, you're not just always barking at him, and it's not always put your foot here, do that there, look this way, breathe now, don't breathe. There's also that human side, and and in my experience, the best that I've been around always have that. And I and I guess you see that from the great NBA coaches too. You know, you see Greg Popovich coming out. Uh, speaking openly about leadership of the country, that can only endear you to your players and to the people around you, and show you know, that great leadership. Uh, it's, it's an earned thing, and, um, and, and and you're damn right. You better be a good psycho. You know, look at the NBA now. Look at the look at the egos you would have to deal with in yeah. that. Are you, are you a X's and O's guy, or are you a psychologist? You, know, you better, be, yeah. good yeah, you
0: better be good at both. Better be good at both. Yeah, and we've seen that with uh, Phil Jackson. I mean, you no know, doubt watched the Last Dance. What a documentary series that was! Can you imagine having a player like Dennis Rodman on your team, trying to manage him? Uh, I no, mean, <laughs> I mean,
1: you. What do you do? You lose your mind. You, you, know, stamp, you stamp. Know, you just got to bite your tongue and yeah. hands in. You know, hey, hey, Michael, go, go get, go get Dennis. Exactly. <laughs> oh, let's, let's let's win the ring. It's, it's a, yeah. uh, that, that was an unbelievable series and it just showed mm. how driven, you know, my, I, I'm biased because I'm a North Carolina fan and, and I actually saw Michael, I was at the practice when Michael was a, a sophomore in his last year there wow. because I recruited, I recruited Cecil Exum, played for me in Melbourne oh, yeah. and, yeah. C, and C, yeah, C, uh, it's a small world, Cecil Exum. Mm was at North Carolina at the same time Michael was there and I was recruiting Cecil to come and play for Australia but uh, I was actually out of his practice and you could just see athleticism greatness um you know, yeah in them days so I was a little biased but how competitive he was mm. you know, he, he was competitive at everything I think that yeah. sometimes on the team playing he, he must have had two card games two card games going at the same time he was <laughs> he was playing with the non players and playing with
0: <laughs> to win. That's right. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, Very competitive guy just on that. I had this question lined up for Jason Smith who we'll be um, talking to a bit later on. But um, yeah, just in terms of the way um, he was competitive, but that documentary really brought out the negative sides of that. And, you know, sometimes he was referred to as a bully and you saw that sort of characteristics in him to try and get the best out of his players. Um that was sort of do you think that was unique to Michael Jordan? Is that something that you can carry into no. a... No. yeah.
1: I like talking about Jason Smith. You know, yeah, is yeah. he a bully or... I, I wouldn't call him a bully in any way, but he had standards yeah. standards that you had to meet. So if you were at practice, and it wasn't bullying for the sake of being a bully. You know, some people just thought, well, I'm, I'm everything better than him. You know, if you didn't bring if you didn't bring it, well then Jason was in your face.
2: Mm. You know, he,
1: he's he's the first one that comes to mind with me in that regard. Yeah. You know, if you didn't if you didn't look focused today, well you would know. Mm. No problems. Mm. Uh, if you if you if you know you, you know, he's got no problem. is that being bullied? No, that's reinforcing the standards of what the group really want. And, you know, he he wouldn't have a problem with you after practice. And I'm damn sure Michael would be the same. I mean, we saw Steve Kerr, you know, bullied by Michael Jordan. But if Steve Kerr was really bullied by Michael Jordan, maybe he wouldn't have been so, you know, hey, yeah, I know it. But in the end, the respect was there because he, 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 he lifted to those standards of, well, this is what we need to do. And, you know, win six championships out of six if you don't have a standard of, of of or a level of competition every day of what you what you what you need to achieve but yeah. um uh jay 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 was the one i thought that he, he was the one that kept that level and and then you know as you bring that up that was real that was real there are there are other guys that acted like they were bigger but they never mm. walked it like jason walked it that's for sure
0: yeah and no doubt he was a great leader and captain to have around the group. I know Jason Woolley would have been a great leader to, to lead in those, or more so the final two championships.
1: In my time, like just talking about Australians, you know, there were mm. some leaders. Let's talk about the Aussies. You know, Robin Marr, maybe the best. Mm. You know, maybe the best leader that makes it, you know, your leader can be your leader, but does your leader help the coach? Robin Marr, no no question. And then Jason Smith is the other one. You know, ju- you know, just as I said, walk the walk and, you know, talk the talk. It wasn't just talk, it was also the walk. And both of those two, um, and, and dealing with, you know, at the, at the end of coming to the end of their time, you know, dealing with, you know, little injuries and things like that, but still producing and, and coming every day to get the job done, you know, yeah. those two in my mind, you know, one in the women, one in the men. Absolutely, uh, Great, great ladies. And, and sure. then the other, oh, sorry, there's one more. So you know, there was Chris, Chris Carrowell. Chris Carroll yeah. was the other one, you yeah. know, um, injury, you know, injured a little bit, you know, not a, not a superstar player, but a guy that come in and just did what, what you needed to have done. And then there was a, you know, uh, a time in in Brisbane, we were down, and it was like it's over if we don't win this. And you know, he comes in, little speech, little this, little that, and bang, we win that thing. You know, and Carrollwell, Carowell you know, picked that time right and showed that. And it was another one that always had the right thing to say. You know, it was never mm-hmm. personal. It was never talking about personal. It was always talking
0: about the team, team needs. Absolutely. It's, and I think it's an important characteristic of a leader or a captain is about the team. It's not about themselves. So yeah, it's very good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, just before we go into the three P, which we want to touch on, but um, you got a crack at the um, Sydney Kings head coaching role, ninety eight, ninety nine, from uh, from memory. What an opportunity that would have been. Uh, how was that experience getting to coach a, uh, a team as like the Sydney Kings with so much history? And um, yeah, what was that like?
1: Well, uh, Sydney's a hard market, a really hard yeah. market. And at that time, uh, Mike Robleski gave me, gave me that opportunity. Mm. I, I hadn't put the team together. Uh, it was Alan Black's team. So uh, well. we, we rode with that. Uh, a lot of young, young guys on that team. Uh, mm. You know, they were all good too, but inexperienced. And then on top of that, Shane Heal had returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the import situation was a struggle at that with that, so not a, not a not a really well put together team in regards. To, not blaming anybody, you know, anyone would take that young talent: Scott McGregor, Aaron Trahair, you know, um, Steve Whitehead. There, there, there was talent there, but it wasn't a good mix. And then the leadership, the leadership in that wasn't good. Shane coming back from Europe. But no excuses. And myself, you know, uh myself, you know, at that time in my career not probably not ready to coach that that group of people. Yeah, you know, I did I did good in Ta I, I did well in Tasmania when I had lesser talent that I got to play as hard as they could. But but dealing with the egos at that time in my career was probably not not good. It wasn't like the Sydney Flames egos at all. And um, yeah. So we started off well, and then personal things. It was going into an Olympic year too, I think, um, mm. at that time '98. Um, you know, Shane, Shane never had the ball. He was the two guard, and someone mm. else was the point guard, and you know, just didn't it just didn't go well. And then, then then we got into the I coached that year, and then we had like six weeks, and because we, mm. we flipped to the summer, so the first so then in the oh, summer. So, sure. you know, wheel, wheeling and dealing with that. So, uh, mm. uh, I, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time at the Kings and I've always, you know, been the King and my my career shows that. But um, that, that was a difficult a difficult time there. I, I don't think the personalities were good at that point. Whereas, mm. um, we we got it right. We got it right in that, you know, when we started that 3 peak. You know, we got it right. We had the right heads and that's that's
0: what's important. Absolutely. Well let's go to the three P then. You had a couple of seasons there with Brett Brown and you're good friends with him and um yeah, in that in that time, let's just touch on this, uh, there was an unwanted tag or nickname the violet crumbles, um, leading into the three P. Um, why do you think those teams who are actually quite good teams when you reflect on it, um Ed Shane Hill as you mentioned, James Smith, um Guys like Ben Melmoth, Derek, Derek um, the names, Derek Williams, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. De- Derek. His name. Oh, yeah, no. Derek Moore. Cedric, Derek Moore, Cedric, sorry. Cedric, yeah, Derek Moore, Cedric,
1: yeah, Derek Moore, Cedric Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, those yeah. Guys, yeah. All those guys. So what was yeah. it
0: that you just couldn't get across that final hurdle? You made playoffs, you made finals in that time of Brett Brown. Was there any that, was it a psychological thing or what was it that couldn't no, get out I still put it. it
1: back on what it was. There's still the carryover from, you know, um, the wrong the wrong chemistry in the team. You know, Brett Brett would go crazy. You know, we had talent: Ben Melmer, Frank Drumick, you know, Shane Heal. You know, just didn't just didn't work. Just didn't sure. work. I mean, Brett. I mean, Brett. Brett took over from me and probably mm. spent five hundred thousand more than what I had. And won mm-hmm. three more games in that first year. Yeah, sure. So you know, um, I, I and and it, and it got better, but not 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 good enough to win. Not good yeah. enough to win a championship. There was always hidden agendas, or you know, pe- you know, people, you know, too much focused on other things than not about winning. You know, not about mm-hmm. winning and. Mm-hmm. And and Brett suffered. Brett suffered that you know no more than as 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 we all had before. And, and you know there's a lot of pressure in Sydney too. It's uh, you know yeah. the league the league won't win until Sydney wins. And you know the I mean Mike Robleski wow. and his group, Mike Robleski and his group had done extremely well financially mm-hmm. out of basketball. Yeah. But then it started to turn, and you know mm-hmm. Mike moved us out of the entertainment center and took us out to, you know, a lot of pressure there to make it happen. A lot mm. more expenses incurred, you know, um, a bigger circus, so to speak, you know, a bigger sure. circus and more, and needing more bums on seats. And we went away from our base. Our base was mm. always, you know, Sutherland, all the way around to the eastern suburbs. Mm. Well, now, now we're asking all those guys to drive out on a Friday night, the inner well out to um, home bush mm. and you know the, the crowds weren't there and pressure comes and people get mm. narky with each other and that that's totally what it was just a bad environment as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah wow didn't realize that well then it all changed for you guys 2002 2003 and um few personnel changes brian gorgin comes in as head coach and you have the opportunity to work with him which would have been an amazing experience. Uh, Shane Hill's still there. Um, you get guys in like Avoshi Franklin, Chris Williams, who we all know is a great player. A number of personnel changes and I must say, I remember the Kings, that team, um, pre-season training, uh, training at Sutherland where I played and as a young kid I looked at it with all the personal changes and I thought, they're not going to do anything this year. And that was a year that you won the title. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that season and um, obviously dealing with the expectations as you've talked about and and just how the guys have performed so well.
1: Well, we moved back first we moved back to the um entertainment center mm. and got back to our grassroots support, which you know the crowds were there. The the team, the Aussie content didn't change a lot. And in mm. fact, we, we, we did better. We we picked up a David Stiff who joined mm. the team, very experienced player who'd been in Adelaide won championships there, you know, come back and, and, joined, and joined in with us. And we also picked up Gary, you know, too suddenly uh, uh, Gary Budnikoff come back and joined in with us. Two really likeable guys that fitted in well with the group and low-maintenance guys, low-maintenance, just come and did their jobs. And then we, were, we got Chris Williams. And Kavossi Franklin. And I remember. I remember we brought Chris out. You know, the club was going through another change, a new new ownership change, and Brett. You know, you know we're dealing with um, receiverships and all this thing. And Brett paid for Chris Williams to come out and uh, work out for us. And through through my contact then, Sean Kelly, the agent in Australia in America, he agreed to that. And he come out, and where are we going to put him? So he stayed, he stayed on uh, with a friend of mine in um, uh, uh, just on the near the airport. Slept on his couch for a week there because yeah. we had no money to pay for hotels and nothing. Yeah, slept. This guy like sleeps on the couch of my friend, the furniture removalist, Dave Massoff, God bless yeah. him. He puts him up and looks after him. He puts him up and looks after him for us. Anyway, we play a game. We played one of those touring teams. I think it was uh, Texas Christian University. We played him at – and Brett Brett tried him out. He tried – he had him as the one guard, the two guard, the three guard. He had him as the four man, put him in the five man, played the whole game. He had about 36 points and 20 rebounds and said – I think oh, yeah. I think we better sign. I think we better sign him. It says, "Yeah, damn right." So I mean, that that then, then he flew back and come back, and obviously, he's playing and his personality. And when you when you talk about all the things we talked about, why we weren't successful, we were successful because we bought people into the program that weren't about themselves. You know, Chris Williams come in, a wonderful guy, played the game, unselfish. Mm. And then that 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 sort of just into the other players. David mm. Stiff come in, laid back guy, played hard, played his role, did his job, went home. You know, Budnikov come in, fun guy, you know, good mm. guy. Not not not. You know, so the team changed, and 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 I guess to be honest, you know, Shane Shane changed in that year. Mm. He become a better leader. Mm. You know, he he was coming to the end of it. And there was a lot of you know finger pointing at him. Well, you've never won. Mm. You've never won, I you've never been win the well. winner. You, you've never won, Shane. Yeah. So he become a better leader around the group with mm. the help of those other people coming in. And it's like, well, it's about time, you better get a ring.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and he was you know, a lot more relaxed. Um, Gorge come in and and, and sort of, tightened all that up, but, he, you know, he come in late on that too. But mm-hmm. George was a good, good person to put with that group. But mm-hmm. it was also the addition of those other players that changed, change, yeah, say changed the chemistry. I, I guess that's the word we always use, the chemistry, but changed the dynamic of the team. Sure. Far more relaxed group, far more fun group to be around. Fun, I mean, they were fun to be around. Mm. And they enjoyed. We enjoyed basketball that year, whereas yeah, before yeah. it wasn't enjoyable. And what I'm sorry, it wasn't enjoyable. And then we played off that for the next. We played off that for the next three years.
0: Yeah. Let's well, touch on the um, impact that Gorge had. I mean, his success is evident in the NBL, and again, would have been a great opportunity to work alongside him in that time. What makes him such a great coach? What are the elements that um, he brings that? teams or players look up to and respect and and i mean you guys had a great working relationship too that's obviously key um you guys gorge and the assistant coaches so what does he bring that is uh, well that makes gorge such a great coach
1: i think i think he has a tremendous work ethic tremendous work hmm. ethic that um you'll see i don't know i don't know of how many head coaches would go to practice and then you practice for two hours, three hours, and then he would grab, grab someone, and they then go and rebound two hundred shots for them before they go home. Wow. Yeah. you know that 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 that's gorge. You know mm. nothing, nothing is too menial, meaning, you know meaningless for him to do. Mm. Um, he, he you know he come in. You know we had coached against each other in Melbourne. I'd coach Boleyn and he'd coach Ballarat, and you know. But we'd always been opposite each other, but always respected each other. So, you know, the meeting at the airport with George is, you know, hey, BT, you good to go? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, let's go, mate. That was it. That was it. And then for most of the preseason, you know, for all our preseason, it was myself who prepared the Kings because he was always off with the Boomers. So he gave you that confidence. He wasn't ringing me every day saying, I oh, do this, do that, do this. He just said, hey, yeah. you get the team ready. You know what we want to do. You know, just get it done, and and, and we always did. So yeah. it was relaxing and easy for me just to go and do my thing. It, what yeah. what the thing with gorge is the detail of the preparation. Right. You know, come Monday morning, our our scout team or our you know they they would be running you know t- the the uh, Adelaide thirty sixes offense Monday morning, so we would be prepared. Come come the weekend, we're totally prepared yeah. to defend you and play against you. And then then there's the human side to him too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as Gorge, you would be practicing on Christmas Day. Wow. We 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 practice every every year. We practice Christmas Day. There ain't too many days off with Gorge. But yeah. just but then there's the human side to him as well, you know, the funny side yeah. to him as well, which you know. Yeah, everyone's heard the story. He got off the plane. He's got one shoe on and one shoe off. And he's walking, walking to the gate, coming off the plane. He, hey, Gorge, where's your shoe? And I went, oh, shit. Yeah, you have to go back on the. He'd taken his shoe off to put his shoe with the computer that he put above his head. So he, he knew if he got up, he, he said, where's my shoe? Oh, it's with the computer. But he forgot them both. Uh yeah, you know, oh, just little stories like that. You know, just, yeah. you know there were one time we were, we, were, we were practicing on Christmas Day. We're going into Christmas Day. We're into our third hour at the Sydney Comets at Maddox Street. And mm. it's starting to get dark. And Maddie Nielsen says to me, hey, 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 coach, turn the lights on. It's getting dark. I said, Maddie, we're going into three hours. I'm not going to turn the lights on. I want, I want Gorge to think there's no lights here and it's too dark.
0: <laughs> if I turn
1: the lights on, I turn the lights yeah. on. We're going to be here until New Year's Day. Exactly. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah no, he, he he's uh, one and yeah. He's still coaching now. You know, he's been in China for ten years now, as I have, and um, still still going around. Has hasn't changed a bit. But I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to be around three guys in my in learning how to coach this game and that was Brett's dad Bob Brown who came out to Sydney with us for a while and I spent time with him in the US you know Brett Brett is so clever and so quick you know the difference between I wouldn't say preparation but Brian was really good in getting ready to beat you but Brett could just pull something out of his pocket in a heartbeat to you know to get the job done you know like that that's the difference between the two of them but Really fortunate to be
0: around those guys at that time. Absolutely. Oh, mate, would have been a great experience to be with such great coaching. And we you know Brett's now in the NBA with the Philadelphia 76ers, as you can see there on your shirt. Great to have him back as Boomers coach. Do you think if the Olympics go ahead, we can get that coveted uh, medal with Brett at the helm? I, 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 you
1: know, another another like small world, I coached Andre Lamanis as a junior. At ball, oh, at, wow. He played for me. Andre played for me in the Siebel League and won, and, and we won a championship together there. So um, that's a, you know, and he, he's a great guy too. H- how unlucky can you be not to, not to mm-hmm. win? How unlucky can you be? Mm-hmm. You know, Rubio doesn't make that half-court prayer. You know, mm-hmm. they've all got, we've, we've got medals now, you know, I believe. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. um, unfortunately, I, I, I think there comes a time is that, but the same thing about personalities. I think that mm. Brett Brett you know, it's no no Brett probably has a far better chance of dealing with the personalities than what Andre did. And you mm. know, we're we're being we're being foolish if we don't think personalities don't play a part in everything. Yes.
2: Yeah, sure. In everything.
1: In, mm. in in everything. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's the office, you know, whether it's the factory floor, you mm. have gotta have you know, someone that can get the personalities. And I think that may have... I'm not saying that if Andre had gone around again, he wouldn't have been successful. But Mm. enough questions, enough questions come up about that. Questions from us, questions from the media, questions from the leaders at Basketball Australia. So it makes it even more difficult, more difficult. And, and, And there's no hiding the fact that Ben Simmons didn't play for Australia. Yeah, that's right. And he could have. And he hasn't. He hasn't played for Australia yet. I don't, mm. think, he's, I don't think he's played for Australia at any level yet. Mm. And, Brett being, and Brett being his head coach, well, that's the best, best chance for that to happen and happen
0: successfully. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's hope he does. Um, let's just go to the, the second, um, second championship because for me, this was a – he like, got the breakthrough one, the, the first one. But there was a bit of a rebuild because Shane Hill retired, you know, Kovoski's gone, Chris Wounds is gone, and you've got Jason Smith there now, you've got C.J. Bruden, Ebirah, Chris Carrowell, as you've said. So you've lost some great players but got a whole lot of other great players back into the team there. So for me, you're talking about player management and also getting um, the players of the gel. That was a phenomenal task. You had a, pretty much half the team, you know, half and half of a new team and and get them to gel like they did. What was that championship like? Um, the second one.
1: Well, the second one was probably the the easiest one once we got to it because I think we mm. towed we tiled Wollongong in two. Right, it was a three game series, and from what I remember, I think we won that in two against the Hawks. And well, was That'll that, that? The third no, one. no, no, Raise that's back. the third one. No, yeah, yeah, no, that was the that was the gnarly one with uh, Yeah, the <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that, that, was, serious, that was a
1: series because they had, they had just as much as we had. You know, they, they were pretty well loaded. John Reilly, Sammy mm, McKinnon, uh, Simon up. Dwight and that crew. I mean, I remember going to the game. In that game, you know, we, we, had, we had some really solid. Um, Maddie Nielsen was a year older hmm. and became the team captain. So he was special in that time and and played and played in that you know that position that you needed him to play you know athletic five man, and the way we played, he could really run the floor and and out, outwork a lot of people but then again, you brought in chris Carowell, and Shane hill for c j Bruton you know please there's not you know c j. Bruton is a proven you know winner in that regard so not not being disrespectful to Shane but it's it's not much of a difference there in that change and then, mm. then we get another young guy out of college just out in EBR who mm. who always had a smile on his face always mm. always in a good mood always something funny to say but but mm. but worked hard and did his job and yeah. that that was again an enjoyable year again because mm. you know you brought CJ in that's not an issue you know, no problem. Mm. Hard, you know, hard work, a proven worker, and, mm. and a stud as a player. So, yeah, no, 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 no loss there. Um, we lose uh, Ben Melmoth retired, but we had Matty Nielsen and we had, or moved to moved on. We got Matty mm. Nielsen and David Stiff. Well, okay, mm. and then we picked up Brett Wheeler. That's right. Yeah, we got wheels. So mm. there's one thing about Gorge. He is a player magnet. You know, people <laughs> like to play for Gorge. That that's a proven, you know, and obviously yeah. when, when you t- talk about his personality and that, people want to you know, people want to play for him. So mm. that was, you know, and, and he was the Olympic coach too, so people mm. want to play for Gorge in, in that regard as well. So we had a great team and, and the imports coming in, as I said, Chris Carrawell come in, leader, come off the bench. Come off the mm. bench from, from most of yeah, them, right. and then and mm. then we had um, Ebbi, who was just another guy, just fun to be around. You know, yeah. really fun, really fun guy. Always, always got a joke. Always, you know, but like, God, could he play? And you know that 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 game. I remember going to that game, the final game, in uh, at the um, at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. Yeah. And I'm thinking, God, oh, this is going to be tough. This is going to be mm. tough. You know, mm. we, you know, they could have beaten us at their place and won the whole thing. And we come yeah. out. And then I just remember that last quarter when we were down. And mm. I just remember Ebby, Ebby just took over. Ebby just it took did. over that game in that dying stages. And I remember yeah. seeing, you know, it was a closeout. So Simon Dwight or, or it might have been Aaron Traher had to go out and close out Ebby on that shot, three-point shot in the corner. And I just mm. saw him question and stop and not go. And I just, and Ebby sunk that three. And I, and I just, they're mm. cooked. They got no ta- they got no gas. And, yeah, and we okay. just ran over, we just ran over the top of them. And, and Ebby, Ebby just, well, what more can you say? That was one of the best final quarters
0: in an NBL final you'll ever see. It's, phenomenal. it's almost Jordan-esque, if I can say that. It was a very, I remember... At the time, I was actually a Razorbacks fan. That was
1: heartbreaking. He was, I mean, wasn't wasn't he an exciting player to watch though? He was. He was. Phenomenal oh. yeah, player. He was really exciting, yeah. It was great
2: to have. So that was that. That, was
1: that, that was that, that's what I remember, you know, it was so long ago. I you know, that's I'm what right. I remember. I remember yeah. the fun. I remember, I try to put the negative stuff out, you know. Mm. Uh, I remember the fun, you know, the Macquarie Bank guys had brought the team, so they were happy. They weren't losing money at that point. You know, yeah. they were all happy and they were all, you know, it was fun in the locker room. It was mm. real fun in the locker room. And, and I remember the fun. I remember the fun. It was fun being around Ebby. It was really like a learning experience being around a Chris Well, I've always, yeah. you know, I coached David Stiff in Hobart, so I always enjoyed mm. being around him. And then, yeah, then you got Gorge, you know, taking his shoe off and leaving it on a plane and, and, you know, all <laughs> that, that, those human things make it, those human yeah. things make it fun. That's what I remember from that time.
0: Absolutely. It was a, a great number of years and you won the third championship again, as, as you said, against the Hawks. And there was yeah. a couple of lane years yeah. there, making the semis and then coming close but not just um, good enough. The 2007-2008 series, I just wanted to finish on that the chat about the Kings, that was a phenomenal series. For me, Like watching as a fan, that's probably one of the hardest-fought series from memory. I reckon, you know, you won three championships, but that series would have been a real slog against the Melbourne Tigers. Like they had Chris Anstey, they, they were loaded as well. What was that series like from memory? You didn't win it, but you guys had a great team as well. No, nah, nah. no. Yeah, no, nah, we
1: had – that was – Again, you bring in quality people like Sav. You know, can you find a better guy yeah. than Sav, a more easy going guy than Glenn Sabble? Yeah. And you know, the key, the key the key to our team was still there.
2: Yeah. And
1: we we were we were still a, a really solid unit then. Yeah. You know, we had and the 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 disappointing thing with that, I remember that final thing was the injury to, to Jason Smith. Yeah. That so, he, yeah. he tore the tore the ligament, you know, in between his thumb. And his index finger was torn, so he couldn't couldn't make a you know, couldn't grab the ball, mm. yeah, couldn't couldn't hold on to the ball. And then mm. uh, Dante Draper had torn his hamstring. Yeah, we, you know, we, we still we still um, we still got it to that home, but God, they were loaded yeah, with what they had. And yeah. and hats off to them. You know, everyone needs talent to win, but that game was so. Such an inspiring game that we just yeah. didn't have the tickets to get it done you know at the yeah, end. Yeah. We, we just didn't have that um, the, especially the lot the you know Jason and tearing that you know that um, that ligament, and he couldn't couldn't you know couldn't make a pinch with his with his hand so, yeah. and then but Dante, we're on the bench where again, we're on the bench, and um jacob Jacob Jacobus was the assistant coach with us then. And look at him, mm. you know. Like we didn't have a lot of answers, and we we're going down. And we, he, Jacob said, "What about Dante?" Yeah, and I said, "Hey, what have we got to lose?" Dante, yeah, can you go? Yeah, we said, "Let's throw Dante in." And, yeah. you know, and he just went in and caught fire. Great guy, really, really talented, but was mm. injured for the for that final series again, and we, was used very limited in that series. But mm. you know, he got us there, and. Yeah, and then we then we then we pack up and we're back the next day, mm. and we're playing in Sydney, which is you know God if we had just had had a couple more days, you know I think I think we could have you know done a better job than what we did on that home game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I reckon it's one of the most iconic uh, images of Brian Gorgian game four. I think it was running around the court down in Melbourne after that comeback win. It was a it was a tight series. I remember that. Um, a great he there. Do, 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 do you, there you remember?
1: Goes. Do you remember? Do you remember him? Like I thought, someone had shot him from the crowd. He was in the corner, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, someone someone got fouled, and the referee didn't call it. And, and he just dropped to the floor, like, like <laughs> he'd been assassinated. <laughs> oh, I mean, what, like what's, what's happened? Is you know someone hit him, or something. he was in the yeah. corner, and the referee didn't. It was any Crouch. Eddie Crouch, no yeah. call. And Gorge just drops like he was shot from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the, the character. That, that, that's the passion that's right. of Gorge, you know. That's, yeah, that's just exactly. inspirational stuff. Definitely. Inspirational. I mean,
0: when I was a kid, you know, I played under you. Um, we'll come to that in a moment. But um, I remember just going to a few train sessions and seeing the environment. It was just a, such a positive environment to be around. But um, it all sort of uh, fell apart after the ownership issue. Uh, with Tim Johnston, um, no doubt a couple of a number of difficult months for you. You are actually, um, from memory, announced as the head coach just as it all sort of happened, and you're about to give it another crack. Um, how hard was that for you that time? I know a lot of players have said that you know it's going, you know, they find it hard to forgive him for what he did, but I mean, there it would have been a hard time all round.
1: Tim Johnston, you know, there's a, you know another character in the sport. Um, yeah, he put money in yeah he yeah, put in I'm the right. money he put the money mm-hmm. in but um he, he never had a lot of it and but he put it in but just such you know my god well the tim johnson story is the tim johnson story you know firepower put a pill in your in your put a pill in the tank of your car and it's you know you're, you're a racing car but um that really affected me it really did and not and not and not for some time I um. I know it affected a, a lot of our, you know, younger guys. It affected yeah. Nate, you know. Nate, Nate and, you know, had grown up around the Sydney Kings. And, um, you know, he'd gone to college and, you know, um, rolled the dice. Yeah, I'll coach the Kings again. And then to have it, like, taken away. But, the, you know, like BJ Carter's and um, kids like that, that was, you know, that was really, you know, really hard for those young guys and I found myself, maybe I went, I went to see my doctor about something and this, this is maybe four or five months later and I'm in there and all of a sudden I'm in tears, just, yeah. just bawling my eyes out. Because the doctor, my doctor then said, oh, how are you doing? You know, and he asked me, oh, yeah, bad luck about the Kings, and you know, how are you doing? And I just said to myself, well, you know what? I'm not doing that good, am I? I'm not doing that well, and all of a sudden, and I was and I was okay after it, you know, I was okay after it, you know, but mm. it just all come out, all come out, yeah. and mm. there would have been, a, you know, there were a lot of people that were going to play for the Kings, and it was going to be a little, it was going to be a little different, mm. you know, um, a little bit more shoestring like it was, but I was okay mm. with that, and then yeah. bang, it's gone, taken away, you know, yeah, Um yeah. Through someone else's greed, or, or you know, or dishonesty, or whatever you want to call it, but I think, I think we were a, you know, we were kept as a team just to prop up his business, so he didn't look so bad in trying to do what he was doing. I don't think we're ever going to get on the court, to tell you the truth. Yeah. But oh, yeah. so you know, you're working and you're trying to put something together, and you know, talking to Neil Mottram then, and you know, other guys that were going to come, and then all of a sudden, well, there's nothing. You know, so yeah. Anyway, that, that that passed
0: Yeah, Thankfully they're that Which is great I know they've got a great association With many people that are still there Including Lorraine But you mentioned your son Nate Nate Tomlinson. Um, Yeah, obviously I played with him And um, growing up Always saw that he had the potential to make it He'd made it in the NBL He said he went to college What was that like seeing Nate's um, You know, make, play college Then play for the Melbourne Tigers So I know you've got a good association
1: with down there as well? Um, no, no, it was a difficult time because Nate um, Nate went to, you know, went to high school first, two years of high yeah, school yeah. in Maine, and then uh, was recruited by Colorado uh, uh, Pac-12 team. So a very, a very uh, respectable, you know, that's UCLA, that's you know, Arizona. So he's playing against you know, some pretty good players. And that was a great experience for him. And I think it's, it was his intelligence that, that got him, that his ability to run, run a team, his ability to control tempo against superior athletes. And I would, I would, you know, in the time he was into college, I was coaching in China. So I had time yeah. in my Chinese job that I could always get out there, see three or four games. So very, mm. proud, of, very proud of what he'd done and, and, and uh, very proud that, you know, he was able to come back and have, you know, mm-hmm. play, play in the NBL and be a part of the NBL because he grew up watching it. He grew up sitting on the bench, you know, coming to practice and, and being around it. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, he got, and, he, and he was, you know, he won, he won the Rookie of the Year in the NBL. That, mm-hmm. You know, that's sure. no mean feat. And, and then mm-hmm. the next, he won the Most Improved. Mm. But you know, in, in a league that became well, we we need more imports, we need more Americans ec- economically. He became unviable to most mm-hmm. of the teams in in you know in the league then. So, but he mm-hmm. has a, he has a good head for the game. You know, his mother played at a high level, um, mm-hmm. and you know he's been around it you know since the day he was born. And I'm I'm proud. You know. In his basketball re- career, there's one there's one thing that stands out to me in in uh, when he was in college is that Colorado had a really successful year. They had some they uh, had Boyle's first year, I think it was two two thousand twelve, maybe fourteen, mm-hmm. and they won the Pac twelve championship. And they went on the road. They were playing really well, and they went on the road and they lost to Oregon, and then they mm-hmm. lost to Oregon State. They lost two games in a row, so it's like the whole world come crashing down just before they were going into the Pac-12 tournament. And Coach Boyle, as we all do, coaches, we we need a meeting, crisis meeting. So they went into the meeting and, you know, Coach Boyle's like, you know, I'm sick of being the one that only has anything to say, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm mm. the one that says everything. And then, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys think? You know, you guys tell me. And, and Boyle, Boyle says this to this day. Nate said, you don't want to hear what I've got to say. And everyone in the room, everyone in the room just went silent. And he goes, well, yes, Nate, we do. We do. And he goes, well, okay, then I'll tell you what I think. And, he, and, and Coach Boyle said, Nate went through every player and every coach on the team. Wow. Every player and every coach on the team. Yeah. Well, after that game, they went up, they went on to, they won the Pac-12 Championship and haven't won it since. And they went on and they finished, they got to the third round of the NCAA, you know, in that. And he said that was a defining moment for, for them. So I think, you know, he, he's, um, you know, I always found him to know the game and he had good, you know, he had good playing ability, but an unselfish player. You know, he would be. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he didn't shoot it enough and never did in his NBL career. Um yeah. had had decent percentages but never took enough shots that that, yeah. that always a pass first guy, always the guy you want in the locker room to be a leader. And to that day he still stands for the same things. Yeah, you know, it's, same like things.
0: That. Yeah, and your daughter Demi did some obviously great things as well in basketball. Um but the reason I asked that question about Nate is because not many people would know this, but you actually uh, coached Nate through juniors. Um, again, I was part of those teams back in the day. But um, one thing that people don't know about you is that in juggling those NBL commitments, you still have time to coach uh, grassroots and, and put your effort in, in there. Um, no idea has probably a highlight in your coaching career to coach these young guys like Ben Congista who went on to play uh, college basketball. Ben Weatherby's the same. Uh, even Josh Dunker, you had there for a yeah. while, he's now playing professionally. How satisfying would it be for you? And I don't know for Colin, who you coached with, the late Colin Hodge, uh, God rest his soul. But, um, yeah, what was that like to get that? Or is that a highlight in your career seeing the um, the growth of these players and see them go on to the play the level that they did?
1: It's it's one of the most important things, hmm. Yeah, you know, I I still, you know, on Facebook, thank God for Facebook you know the you know, i know you know josh doinker has semi retired and he lives in maui in hawaii and has a great life you know yeah. but but but's played all over the world you know um you know ben weatherby's doing well getting married next year in in canada and and had yeah you know, and played played in, in his college you know mm. Lockie Yarmfield. you know is doing doing really well you know colin's colin jung's son uh, played baseball more so than, than basketball. But, you know, all those kids, you know, all those yeah. kids I enjoy. You know, yourself. But, you know, sometimes I, I cringe it. God, what, how intense was I? You know, that, those kids, you know, <laughs> those, like, you know, those poor kids, yeah. those poor yeah. kids. But I, I loved it. And then, and then I get to yeah. a point, how far can I coach Nate? You know, because he has his own personality. So I got mm. to, I think, under 16s. And then I handballed it to Colin. Hey, you, be mm. that, you be that. You be You be the head coach, and I'll, and I'll help you now. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think you know, Colin was a far less intense guy than than I was. And mm. but, but I sometimes I cringe at. Oh God, did I do that? Did I speak to him like that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't. You know, what 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 I was as a professional coach is what I brought to those kids. Yeah. And, yeah. Maybe that was good, or maybe that wasn't so good I don't, I don't know, but I love that time, I cherish that time, and you know what? when I'm done doing this for getting paid, I'll be doing it again somewhere else, yeah you know, in Australia, because someone took the time to do that for me. Yeah, you know, sure. more so some some you know school teacher, some you know some guy who is a volunteer, took the time to give up his time for me, and I will certainly return that as long as i can stand on my legs and and probably probably be sitting on the sidelines doing it anyway if i can't walk anymore but uh i I really believe strong about
0: those things well we're running out of time but just um quick couple of quick uh, questions on um you know coaching um as well um you mentioned um how you cringe i remember um Southern Sharks teams that you were coaching—they're always teams you want to get on. I missed out at under sixteen level, and I couldn't believe. It. And I was like, "I've got to make this team." But eventually, made it under eighteens. And our first game—I think it was—I I took a shot early in the offense, my first shot, and I got taken off straight away. And um, it was the start of me at the time realizing that there's a basketball IQ behind the game. And you mentioned this uh, with Nate, and you know, even though it was a bit, it took me a while to get my head around it. Looking back on my time playing the sport, I wish I had that understanding as a kid growing through, um, coming through. I would have um, probably done a bit better than I did because um, just understanding when it's, when it's um, you know, the right shot to take or when you need to pass, that sort of thing. These sort of things, are they, when we're talking about basketball IQ, is it something that you're just born with or is it something that you can develop and learn? Um, can you coach that to a kid coming through or somebody or is it something that they just need to have?
1: No, you know what, Dan? It, it was me being more of an arrogant coach. Honestly, <laughs> this is honestly. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Who, who overthought the game at that point. Sure. You know, honestly, you know, I'm probably saying, you know, you should have thrown the ball into um, the big guy we had, Smith. What was his name? Um, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Smith, yeah. Ryan Smith, who, who would yeah. have taken a contested two and probably yeah. missed it. Where you probably took an open three, (laughs) which is now how I coach now. That's what I encourage. You know, kick the ball up, you open, shoot it, because the game has changed. Yeah, the game has changed. Yeah, the game has totally changed. So, Mm. nah, you know, that's, they're the some things that I cringe about at that time. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I have this thing on my, here, I'll show you this and hopefully you can see it. You know, it's, you know, any, can you read that?
2: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh,
1: I'll read it to you. And it says, any fool can make something complicated. It takes a genius to keep it simple. And that's by uh, Woody Guthrie. And, and that, that, that's what we always got to check ourselves with. Now, you know, I've coached at the highest level. Now I'm coaching university kids at, um, here at, coll- at, at this college. Mm-hmm. And they're like professionals here too. I got to check myself all the time. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it enjoyable. Yeah, don't overcoach it. And yeah. that, that's what I said to you. You know, so I, I cringe. It's always got to be a fun side. I'm sure those Sutherland kids yeah. would walk away from some of their practices, and they would have thought they were the, you know, Boston Celtics. And uh, it's too much in my head. I've got a headache. And now, Lockie yeah. Armfield, and you guys, have got to go home and study. For so many hours and you've just been through a practice or a game with me, yeah. no, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I really appreciate you kids. I tell you, I really do yeah. appreciate you kids from that time. And I, and I apologize for, for taking you off because I should have been nah, encouraging really. you to shoot that three, mate, because that's what the game <laughs> is now. That's what it is. You know, yeah, and it right. makes mathematics sense it yeah, even yeah. works out mathematically but anyway oh. yeah I, I should have been yelling at ryan get the rebound yeah. get, get daniel's <laughs> rebound get a rebound
0: yeah. Yeah. Then, nah no, all good was night fun. Was great time, was fun. right it they were and they told yeah. me a lot about game it was a great experience yeah
1: hopefully we can catch up and, and have a coffee yeah okay. uh, you know, i just i just want to say something you know about the ministry in sport which i, I believe mm. you're a part of. Mm, that mm. That that's been really important to me. Um mm. when I was in Hobart I had that with i I don't know if you know the guy, guy called Noel Mundy. Um right. Noel Mundy, Noel Mundy come as in that ministers in sports sort of program and was that's really it. good was really good for me around mm. that difficult time. You know, God, we won six games one year and then the whole thing valleys up, but it was a great time. But it's good to have someone who's mm. not an expert on basketball. Who isn't, Mm. you know, who isn't coming at me like that? And then Mm. the other one was Gary Speckman, you know, Gary Speckman, you know, uh, know, Sydney Kings, you know. Mm. I've always put my hand up and said, you know, we need these, you know, maybe that would've helped you if with me, you got Mm. the coach telling you not to shoot the three and take it out, but if you got someone, you know, it's a part of life, Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you guys are so valuable. For people and what you do, and and you give up your time and your effort, and that, I'm I'm all thumbs up for that, man. And I think um, yeah. I I know that there is an important role to play there for someone that's unbiased, mm. you know, and mm. comes in and just looks at it from a different angle than the coach who wants to win everything at every cost. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's well said, mate. Yeah, the sports chaplains do a great job, and I know Gary. Um, really well so uh, you would be tough to hear yeah. that but um, just yeah. finally in um, in terms of China you are over there now I was hoping to spend a bit more time on this but uh, you've been there for the last 10 years just quickly uh, what's the difference between coaching in China and Australia I know when you first got there you're a bit of a a bit of a culture shock to see how they they coached and they and they trained the you know trained over there so what's it been like um, oh there? you obviously so joined us
1: <laughs> maturity, yeah, yeah, for sure. Maturity of the, well, you know, I say maturity of the country. So that, mm-hmm. that, that all goes down into everything, but maturity of the mm-hmm. players, uh, education is important. The, they, they are nowhere near, uh, there are a lot of coaches here and a lot of different levels, but a lot of it is not earned positions. A lot of it is who you know and not you know. A lot of overtraining. And, uh, and fatigue, but you only have to look at the difference when you see Australia play against China, that the Australian mm. kids know how to play the game far better than what the Chinese do, but the Chinese will put in thousands of more hours of preparation. Mm. You know, it's when I was with the Chinese women, it's two a day, two practices a day. Well, well. The, the Australian women never get to do that. They do that for four years. Uh, you know, every summer for four years. So three months every year, they're there. Then then they go back to their club teams and continue to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a just a, a different, totally different mentality. But it's, China's been good to me, and it's, it's frustrating. And um, then it's good. It's rewarding as well. And um, I took this team over. We were ranked 200th in the country, and now we're in the top eight in the country. So that's, that's been plan. rewarding, you know, that's been rewarding and a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, a few tears, you know, people aren't up to what we need, so they've got to move on. But, it, but, it, but it, it, it's, it's a country that if it gets it right, if it can get it right, mm. it will be awesome. But mm. I, don't, I just don't know if it
0: can. It just defeats itself all the time. Sure. Oh. Interesting, mate. Um, but yeah, you've had a great career, um, great success, NBL, WNBL, now in China. Uh, but thank you for joining us today, Bill. It's been a great chat, and uh, all the best my with when you go over there, mate. Appreciate it.
1: My my pleasure, and anytime, Dan. Anytime, my pleasure. Right. Thank
2: you.